Welcome to Bancroft's Broadcasts, the school podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about the school and its community. This is the place to keep up to date and in touch with our school. So let's get into this episode of Bancroft's Broadcasts. What role do Pride Club and Pride Week have at Bancroft School? To find out, we're speaking to two experts. Jill Entwistle, who is a teacher at the school, as well as being a diversity and inclusion mentor, as well as Jill's friend Ian Lucas, a long-standing queer activist who's seen many changes since his own school days. So in this episode of Bancroft's Broadcasts, we're taking a look at issues around the LGBTQ plus community at the school, having a chat with a couple of experts about the school's approach to this thing and seeing what we can learn. One of our guests is Jill, Jill Entwistle. Hello, Jill. Hello there. Jill, you are a teacher at Bancroft's, right? I am indeed a drama teacher. And how long have you been there? This is my fourth year at Bancroft's. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is a topic I'm particularly interested to to learn more about, so I'm really grateful. Now, to help us with this conversation, you've invited along an old friend of yours to to add a bit more depth and perspective to the conversation, right? I certainly have invited Ian Lucas, who I was at university with in Aberystwyth many years ago, studying drama. Excellent. Hello, Ian. Oh, hello. Ian, thank (laughs) you so much for joining us for this. Thank you. Ian, what's your particular background or or, or perspective that brings you into this conversation? I guess I was an LGBTQIA plus activist from a time in university up until now, really. Okay. I mean, straight away, we've got onto something that I'd like a bit more clarity about there. You've said LGBTQ plus. The the terminology sometimes appears like it can change and and adapt. What what are your thoughts on that, both of you? What's what's the language that is most appropriate for us to be using and thinking about in this conversation? Well, well, I'd use the term queer. That's that's effectively what I would term myself. Mm -hmm. And it seems to cover most people. Some terms are preferred differently by by other people, I imagine? Yeah, I think the, the acronym... LGBTQIA plus is getting a bit long, but I guess that's a sign of the fact that everybody's trying to be inclusive. And it makes me think of the fact that recently the pride flag has changed. So we ordered a big flag for Bancrofts. And then somebody said to me, oh, is it the progress pride flag? Well, we have in fact a traditional rainbow flag. There is now a progress pride flag, which has a little section on it, which is more inclusive to include different areas of the LGBTQIA plus community. So, you know, I don't think they made a progress pride flag as large as the ones we have up on the mast here at Bancroft. So that's our excuse for why we haven't got one, but I'm sure we will invest in one in the future. But yeah, I think Ian's right. You know, it's finding the term that you're happy with and queer is nice and inclusive and and much easier to say. (laughs) So Jill, tell us a bit about Pride at Bancroft. Tell us about, am I right in thinking you look after what's known as Pride Club? Yes, indeed. So we started that in lockdown and that was quite a nice way to start. It was February time when we began. So it happened to be LGBT History Month. So we thought, well, this is a great idea. Let's launch Pride during LGBT History Month and we were all sitting at home working on our computers doing online school and I do think that 
during that month of February, I may have sent out an email every day that we were at school with little quotes and pictures and stories and things. And it was quite nice. And I did have people say to me that sometimes nothing much came through on a day. So it was nice to have an email, you know, giving you some kind of inspirational thought or something in the morning. And that sort of launched us as a society. And we had uh, Just Like Us, who are an organization that work with young people who are LGBT. And they did an online session for us. That was really nice. And that sort of launched our society. And during that period, there were quite a few assemblies that staff members gave, some who were members of the LGBT community. So it really felt like that's how things began. And we've obviously continued as we've gone back into school and we've celebrated again Pride this year. So yeah, we're sort of, we're a going concern. Why do you think it's important for this conversation or for this representation to be happening within a school like Bancroft's? I think it's important that every student at Bancroft's feels represented. And I know that there are teachers here who who went to Bancroft School themselves as students and they talk about the fact that it wasn't like this when they were at school and they wished that they could have had a pride society and when we put up the rainbow flag last year somebody was saying oh gosh you know I've waited 25 years to see this so I think Pride Club is something that the school has wanted for a long time. And finally, we've got together to make it happen. And I just think it's helpful for it to exist. I would say that we are a bit lacking in members. Some of our fifths have gone off now, obviously, on study leave. And we're ready for the next generation, basically, of Pride Clubbers. So I'm not, not quite sure that I think that's another topic for debate is how we get people to come and join us. Because Because I'm sure there are lots of people out there who could potentially be members of this club, LGBT students and allies, and it's tapping into them and finding what would make them come. (laughs) Ian, what's your view on the role of things like Pride Club within schools today? It sounds amazing, really. I mean, I think back when I was in school, I was in a a Catholic boarding school. I was a day student, but we could never mention anything about it at all. We couldn't say kind of gay or bisexual, anything like that. I mean, that was partly because of the Catholic hierarchy. So we weren't able to talk about sex or sexuality full stop. What difference would it have made if within your school, within your, your upbringing, within your time as a young person, this sort of club, this sort of conversation had been more readily available within school? Well, I think it would have made a huge difference to the people that I now know are gay, but I didn't at the time. I I suspected because uh, we got that kind of connection. But um, listening to how they are now and how they've come out, I think they'd have found it very useful. I mean, I was lucky. I was a drama student, so I used to do all the dramery stuff that was associated with with kind of gay stroke queer stroke LGBTQIA plus sure. identity. So I kind of got in through that, really. So at, at what age did you come out, Ian? I was 19 at university when I came out. Right. And was that a difficult experience at that time, around your peers, around your, your friendship groups? How, how was that experience? It was, it was quite difficult in that, well, in, 
in fact, the people I came out to were drama students and they were quite accepting of me. Right. But the attitude around was quite antagonistic towards kind of gay or, or sexuality issues. So once I'd kind of got okay with myself mm. and dealing with that antagonism that was around, I think I felt better about it. Jill, how about you, your experience looking back to your time as a young person? What was your experience of coming out like? Yeah, see, coming out for me wasn't something that happened until much later in my life. So when I was at university, I was aware that lots of people were gay and obviously Section 28 was a massive thing that happened when Ian and I were at university where the government banned the promotion of homosexuality. So as a student union, we were galvanised, you know, we all got together and marched around Aberystwyth and Cardiff and London and that really brought us all together. So at that time, I would have been a member of a group of people. It was such a huge thing. There were there were gay organisations, but there were also organisations for allies that mm. wanted to march in support. So that's how I would have gone with my boyfriend at the time. We would have gotten involved in waving our flags. And it wasn't until much later when I was actually, I went away to Australia, came back to the country. I would have been in my 30s. And that's when I met a woman that I was attracted to. And I sort of thought to myself, mm, I seem to be attracted to this person. Mm -hmm. I seem to like them more than a friend. <laughs> sure. And and that person is the person I'm now married to. So for me, it was much later. So, But it's still interesting to think back to myself at school. And I'm sure if there had been a pride club, I think I might have been interested to go along. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, but I just think those kinds of things didn't exist then. And I just think all of this is really about finding your tribe. It's about finding your people and, you know, the place where you can be yourself ultimately. So I think, yeah, pride clubs are a good idea. <laughs> so you talk about finding your tribe, finding your people. Mm. Is it fair to mm. say for, for, for both of you, you may have found your tribes and found your people that little bit earlier if perhaps your, your school lives and the conversations going on at school had been a little different. Definitely. Yeah. I think that would have made you feel comfortable to think, yeah, this is what's happening. It relates to other people. There's a thing that's been quite powerful in our school recently. We've reached out to what they call the OBs, which are the old Bancroftians. So students who used to study here. And we put out a message saying, are there members of the OBs who are LGBT? And five of them have got in touch with the school, which is great, and told us their stories. So we've now put up a display which shows their pictures and tells their stories. And lots of people have said, wow, that's really powerful because it's coming from students who were once like the students now. Um, and we're currently making a video of them talking about their experiences that we want to show during Pride Week. That's going to form an assembly because it's just very close to home and they know exactly what it's like to study here. And they can tell their stories of where they are now, I suppose. Ian, do you think it's important that young people can see people like themselves? They can see role models. They can see people who've been before them to, to learn from and, and be reassured by. I think it's terribly reassuring as as Jill was saying with the OBs, and I'm thinking back to, I went to a school called Princethorpe College in Warwickshire, and that's still going, although it's changed an awful lot with legal situations. But um, I'm in touch with a lot of the old Princethorpians, but I don't think many of them are 
out out on media in terms of the the way that people chat on on media, the way that people internet about themselves. I think that's a bit reserved, but I think that's partly to do with the attitude of the school. I mean, the idea of a pride club there, I, I don't know whether they'd be allowed to do it now because of the Catholics' teaching on, on sexuality. If I was to ask about the, the progress that's been made in schools generally, does this mean that it, it's perhaps inconsistent? It varies from school to school? Yeah, I think it varies vastly. I am a member of a Facebook group which is set up by Just Like Us, and that is for LGBT educators. And yeah, it is really interesting to see some clubs look like they're doing amazing things. Other clubs, you know, are finding their feet. I think there are clubs in primary schools. There are there are all sorts of different experiences, but it has a lot to do with the makeup of your school. So that's the students, the teachers, the parents. And I know that's something that Simon, the headmaster here, would like to have a webinar. He does have webinars with parents and he would like there to be a webinar where we do talk about these issues and I guess just find out where parents are, what page right. they're on and open up a dialogue, I suppose. I see involving parents in this conversation just as much Definitely. as the conversation between pupils and teachers. Absolutely, yeah, I think that's really important. Jill, you mentioned Pride Week there. Tell us a bit about, about Pride Week, what's planned, what's involved. Well, we have an exciting week planned. We are hoping to start with some LGBT music at the gates as students come into school. We want to decorate the school with the Pride flags. The flag will go up once again, the rainbow flag. We are having a whole school assembly, which is quite something on the Tuesday morning, hopefully delivered by students and involving these videos from the OBs. The Afro-Caribbean Society have created an LGBT quiz for us for assembly times. We're going to have rainbow food in the canteen. We should be uh, selling rainbow merchandise, raising money for the Alfred Kennedy Trust, who help young people who are LGBT, who've maybe had to move out of their family homes. We will be having an own clothes day where you will be invited to wear rainbow colours should you wish to and I'm sure there'll be some photographs on that day and then Mr Aitken has got an initiative called Tea and Chat which mm -hmm. will be running throughout the week at lunch times. Not sure which room yet, but it will be running and there will be tea and there will be chat. There will be some mindful colouring, should you wish to do that, and just okay. a space to come along and talk about all matters, sexuality, ask questions, debate the matters of the day. Um, but yeah, there will be a safe space throughout the week for that. And some visitors coming in as well. I've got some friends coming in to talk about being Asian and gay. Mm -hmm. um, quite a lot of the school population are Asian students, so I thought that would be nice. They're bringing in a friend from Club Carly, which is a big gay Asian club night, and some friends. So Pride Club, I thought we would do a Heartstopper special. I don't know if any of you've been watching Heartstopper on Netflix. Yeah. Ian no, Smiley. I, I've not seen this. What's oh, this about? you have to watch it. It's really, it's really really lovely it's a lovely story of two young gay boys and yeah what happens and they're coming out, and coming out it. it is it is yeah uh it's a lovely story and it deals with lots of issues and what it's like to be at school and sorting out you know finding out your sexuality so 
uh, I think we might watch an episode. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm really struck in the way you describe this. I'm really mm. struck by a, a, a mm. sense of, of openness. The fact this isn't just a sort of a club thing for those who define mm. themselves as such. This is something where you're opening your arms to the whole school and saying, Let's all of us have this conversation. Let's all of us ask questions, discuss this, talk to each other. Yeah, that's the idea is to be celebratory and to raise the profile of the LGBT community within the school. Um, So hopefully that's what we'll hope to do. You know, I think Bancroft is a really good school for people to talk to. Like you mentioned that I'm a diversity and inclusion mentor. There are several mentors. There are diversity and inclusion coordinators. There are lots of people here to listen to you there are also anti-bullying ambassadors so if you'd rather speak to a student you know and so I just I hope that students will take advantage of these opportunities which we're offering to them but I think students at Bancroft should never feel like they haven't got someone to listen to them because there are so many of us ready to have that conversation. That sounds really evident. And the, the key word that you use, Jill, is sexuality, because LGBTQIA plus is is one way of talking about yeah. it. But the more general way in which you can include everybody is through sexuality, is exploring who we are and, and what we do. Ian, I know in your history you've been an activist in quite a quite a significant way in your in your younger days. Tell us a little bit about that and the approach that you took. Um, all those years ago? Well, I think I was an activist at the time Jill was talking about with Section 28. I mean, I remember kind of doing graffiti down at the pier, if you remember, Jill. The pier had no Section 28 written on it, and I was part of the group that was behind that. And then I went on and joined Outrage in London and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I've not heard of that. It's an order of gay male nuns, stroke queer nuns, whose basic attitude is that perpetual indulgence is a good thing, and so we kind of share it with people. So quite a contrast then, I suppose, with your your Catholic school upbringing, an interesting relationship there. It was very useful in terms of canonisation or talking through the literature talking through some of the issues that might affect Catholics. So contrasting your feeling of being an activist back then and taking those approaches with the sort of thing that Jill's describing now about this open conversation, this everyone's invited, let's all talk about this. It sounds like quite a change has, has, has happened in, in the way that we, we deal with these issues and we have this conversation. I think so. I think so. I was thinking while you were talking, Jill, about Jake, the footballer who's recently come out as, as gay at 17. And for me, that's a huge thing. I mean, that's a huge thing in terms of the game that he plays in. And it's a huge thing for, for him as a 17-year-old to come out as, as gay. That's really brave. <laughs> Do you think we'll see a change within within football? Do you think this is the first of perhaps a, a trickle of other uh, in in the in the women's game? It seems more open, but in in the men's game, is this the start of a change in in terms of the, the conversation? Let's hope so, because I can't imagine that there aren't gay footballers out there. I think it is changing, isn't it? It's changing for the better. Let's hope. A question I'd like to ask both of you: If you could, well, two questions actually. Firstly, what advice would you give to any young people who are listening today who are perhaps they have questions about their own sexuality or around the whole area of sexuality? What advice would you give them 
And secondly, what advice would you give to yourself looking back to when you were at school, to your younger days? What advice might you give to yourself? Jill, do you want to go first? What advice would I give to my younger self? I would say that take your time. You know, there's no rush. There's no sort of ticking clock that's saying when you have to do things. But in your own time, reach out. Like I said before, find your tribe and find your way of being your authentic self and being who you want to be. So you may be standing on the sidelines and looking in, but you'd be interested to know how many other people are also standing in that spot looking on. And it's about making connections with other people in a way that you feel comfortable with. So I would say, yeah, take your time. There's no rush, but feel that you can be the person that you want to be or that you are. And if you're struggling with that, then don't be afraid to ask for help. That sounds really reassuring that the fact that this isn't a compulsion to make up your mind quickly, to dive in. You can watch, you can discuss, you can move things along in terms of your own identity and decision making at a, at a pace that works for you. Yeah, I think these things are fluid and, you know, how we feel today might not be the way we feel tomorrow. These things change, you know, sure, so I think, yeah, sure. take your time, see what's out there and... Yeah, look for support when you need it. Ian, how about you? What advice would you offer a young person, be that yourself back in your own school days or a young person today who's interested in this conversation, possibly unsure about their own position, their own sexuality? What would your advice be? I think I'd change from Jill's idea about take your time Mm -hmm. because for me, the time is now. So I appreciate your changing circumstances and how sexuality and your perception of it may change over time. I think that's absolutely important to listen to. But at the same time, that can be used to get in the way of being where you are now. I mean, certainly for me at the time, that was important that I did it then rather than kind of listen to the people around me who might have expected me to keep quiet. So this is interesting. We've got two really worthwhile points of view here. One saying, take your time, there's no rush. One saying, go for it, the time is now. And I suppose the impression I've got, Jill, is the way you described Pride Week and, and the general approach taken is it sounds like you're giving people the confidence that if they do say, as Ian says, the time is now, well, that's great. But if they want to think and talk, that's equally fine. Yeah, both approaches are possible and will be supported. Yeah, absolutely. But thanks for saying that, Ian, because that's important. Sometimes we need to seize the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think from my point of view, I wish I'd been more able to listen to other people at the time. Right. I think of you where you are now I could have probably listened more to where you were back then. It's interesting, isn't it? Looking back in hindsight, knowing what we know now with the conversations we're having now in the society we have now, looking back and thinking. Thinking about the future, I suppose, if I was to say, well, where are things headed? Ian, I'm going to ask you in a general sense in terms of this conversation in in the broad cultural direction. And then Jill, I'll maybe ask you about it at Bancroft's. What what does the future hold? What does the next few years hold for this sort of conversation in? I think worldwide there's a big difference. There's a big difficulty in terms of homophobia, heterosexism. I mean we haven't really talked 
about the big debate within the gay community in terms of cross-dressing, in terms of kind of people being transgender and the way that that impacts on male, female sexualities or identities. I think that's going to be a huge growth area in the future. Kind of thinking of a, a show that I'm in next week on BBC4 called Pride and Prejudice, which looks at how people have identified their past from things that they might have, so like for a wimple or a habit. And that's on, I think, on Tuesday. And I'm part of that with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence going through how the habit helped me canonise St. Derek and, and kind Saint of going Derek? To, to his house. St. Derek of Dungeness, St. Derek Jarman. Derek Jarman, right. Yeah. We canonised him in 1993-94. So we, we made him a saint and he was alive and quite eager to do that at the right, time. Right, right. Yeah. And Jill, if I was to ask you about the future, maybe particularly from the perspective of someone as part of the Bancroft's community, what do you think the future holds for, for the school? I hope that things will continue to progress in the direction that they are now and that we'll get more and more people on board with this conversation and that more and more students will feel that they can be their authentic self. Because I know that there are students in the school, for example, who identify as they now. Right. And I was talking to one housemistress about the fact that some students may identify like that at school, but not necessarily at home, but mm. that she encouraged encourages those students to go home and have those conversations at home so that you know you are at school a lot but you're also yourself at home a lot so the idea eventually is that you can be who you are wherever you are and I thought that was a really powerful message that maybe we can move towards a time and a place where you know who you want to be you can be wherever you are. I think that's a key a key idea as well because when we were kind of thinking about this podcast we were talking about the differences between home and school and how people might feel very differently at home than they might feel at school and I think that's important for the people who hear this to understand is that because you may accentuate part of your personality at school that doesn't necessarily translate into your home life that it's it's possible that you can be one person in school and one person at home if you need to if if that fits in with where you're at which all comes back to that wonderful point that was made earlier about taking things at your own pace and having the space to have that conversation absolutely both of you have been so helpful you've really i think helped me understand a little bit more about this sort of conversation about the way this conversation happens within schools and about the way that young people can really benefit from having access to the kind of support that's offered here. So brilliant, Jill Entwistle and Ian Lucas, you've both been so helpful and so interesting. Thank you so much for joining in. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Jill and Ian helped us understand more about how sexuality and inclusion can be looked at at Bancroft's and other schools. We discussed the value of positivity and openness. We learned about what's planned for Pride Week at Bancroft's and we were reassured that support is there for pupils considering who they are and how they feel. That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, bancrofts.org. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. 
Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.